1 Samuel chapter 16, when you have it this morning, say amen. It's on the screen for those of you who are reading along with me. It says, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And so he sent and he brought him in, and now there he was, ruddy with bright eyes and looking good. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and he went to Ramah. Now I want us to look at Psalm 92, verse 8 today. Psalm 92, verse 8. Still the words of David. He says, But you, O Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox, and I have been anointed with fresh oil. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, a heart to receive everything that you have for us. Lord, we ask for a supernatural from heaven breakthrough anointing today to touch each and every person wherever they might be. May we all leave here different than the way we came. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You can be, you can be seated this morning. Well, isn't it hard to believe that we're already at the end of this year. It is the last day of 2023. And do you know something that's interesting? I saw this going around. It was kind of interesting. This, if you write out the date of this day, it's one, two, three, one, two, three. Hello. And so it's interesting. Uh, you got 12, 31, 23. So it's interesting. It's an interesting year on the calendar, but we're excited about what God is doing. And I felt just so led in my heart. I've been praying and, and processing and seeking the Lord over what to share this morning. And I felt like out of these two particular passages uh, are surrounded around the life of King David. I wanted to preach to you this morning from the subject, fresh oil. Somebody say fresh oil. Now, I want to ask you all a question. How many of you have ever been on a journey in a car? You've went on a long road trip. Anybody ever drove across country? Or you've ridden a motorcycle across the country? Or you've done something of that nature? There's the exhilaration of getting your bags packed and making sure everything is ready to go. And, uh, you know, there's some things, especially if you're some dads, right? Dads and grandpas are real good at this. But when you are getting ready to take that road trip, especially if you're, you know, going to go more than just a few miles down the road, there are some areas of preparation that we tend to look at. You know, uh, one thing that I like to do is I like to make sure the car's clean before I leave. Now, I know all of y'all aren't like me, but I don't like to go anywhere in a dirty mess. Hello. I really don't. Ask my wife. The first thing I do before we leave, one of the first things is to clean the car. The second thing I do, or first thing to do rather when we get back home is I clean the car. Amen. I don't like to be messy because when my world is messy, I feel out of order. And so I do that. But there's some other things that you do when you prepare to go on a long journey. First of all, how many of you know you, it's a good thing to make sure you have good tire pressure? 
Because if you don't have good tire pressure in your car, one of your tires are low, you know when the weather changes from hot to cold severely like it has, many of you had to put some more air in your tire, and uh, we have to do that because of the way that the, the oxygen expands in the heat and, the, and it reduces in the cold and those things, and uh, you know, chemistry, biology type things, but um, we have to put more air in the tire. And we have to do that because what? The, t- the car will pull to the left or to the right, and you'll begin to wear out your sidewalls and have uneven wear on your tire. Um, another thing that's good for going on a road trip is to make sure that you have some jumper cables, right? Because even if you don't need them, somebody else might, and it's always good to be a good neighbor, So uh, we make sure that we do that. You make sure that you've got washer fluid and all of those things. Um, How many of you do this? You fill up before you leave town. That's pretty important. You're not going anywhere without gasoline in the car. But there's one thing that oftentimes we forget or we overlook or maybe we don't think about that is just as important as the gasoline. It is the oil. Somebody say the oil. I want you to know it doesn't matter how great of a motor you have in a car, how many cams it has in it, how souped up it is. If there is no oil, the car is not going anywhere. And listen, that oil that you put in the car is good for so many miles, and then you have to get a what? A oil change, right? You've got to check up on that oil. Why? Because that oil begins to break down in process. And so it's something that you have to routinely look at. Now, some of you have those cars that you have to anoint with oil. Maybe like a quart at a time. Hello. And so you need to not only change the oil if the oil's old, but you also need to check the oil level. Because you, you don't want to leave and not have sufficient oil in your motor, right? And so oftentimes we don't think about it. It's sight unseen. And those oil changes, unless you do them themselves, they're quite costly. But those oil changes are important because oil serves several different purposes in an automobile. One of the first things that it does is it lubricates. The oil lubricates all of the moving parts of that engine, reducing the friction between the metal components like the pistons, the rings, the bearings, the camshafts. It prevents that wear and tear, ensuring a smooth operation. Another thing that oil does is it it, uh, has a certain level of heat dissipation to it. It disperses heat that's created by the engine uh, from the moving and the shaking that surrounds all of the parts. Here's another thing about oil. Oil provides a sealing in a car. It seals, a, creates a seal between the pistons, the rings, the cylinder walls, preventing combustion gases from escaping into the crankcase and maintaining proper compression. You got to have sealing. Then there's the cleaning aspect of oil. That oil is there and it pulls dirt away from things where it shouldn't be. It prevents corrosion. It preserves engine performance. It has noise reduction properties, and it produces engine longevity. There are several aspects about oil that are so important when it comes to a car. But just like there is great components with oil when it comes to a car, There are also great aspects of oil when it comes to our spiritual life. And this morning, I want to talk to you about having fresh oil in your life. God has anointing for you. Listen, you need to look at somebody this morning and tell them, God's got an anointing with my name on it. 
I'm going to give you scripture for that in just a few moments. God has an anointing with your name on it. In our text this morning, King David is getting ready to be anointed king. Um, we know that the Samuel, the prophet, comes to Jesse's house, and David is out in his father's field tending sheep. And he's not like the other brothers. He's got a different hair color. He's small. He's the runt of the bunch. And it comes time to anoint that king for Israel and we find out that the horn of oil would not flow on any of Jesse's selections. His children, Samuel would pass before them and that oil would not flow. And I'm going to tell you why that oil wouldn't flow. That oil had David's name on it. God prescribed that oil. God prescribed that oil for David. So Samuel says, there must be someone else because this oil is not moving. He said, well, you know, there's David out in the field you just get him to come and so he came and stood before the prophet Samuel and the Bible says that the oil began to flow and the oil flowed upon David and the scripture says and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward that's important for you to remember it came upon David from that day forward so David was anointed king and God helped him in the middle of his his assignment then here's what we see David is a little bit older in life he's going through troubles he's going through different things he has fought battles he has won victories he has fought wars he has subdued kingdoms he has sinned there's all types of things that have happened to him up until this point but in Psalm 92 we don't have a child David any longer now we have a grown David and here's what David said he said, but you, O Lord, are on high forever, for behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Somebody say fresh oil. Here's what David was trying to say. God, when I was young, I stood under that horn of Samuel's anointing, and you anointed me to be king of Israel. But now here I am in this time of my life, and I stand in need of a refreshing. And Lord, you have anointed me with fresh oil. I'm glad this morning that God's got fresh oil for each and every one of us in our lives. Or is anybody else glad about it this morning? You don't sound convinced. Let me keep going. Maybe you're not convinced because you don't understand the purpose of this anointing. I want to take you. These are not in your notes, but in Exodus chapter 30, God gives Moses a divine prescription. He gives him a prescription. He's teaching him how to build the tabernacle because he takes him upon Mount Sinai, gives him the Ten Commandments. He writes with his finger in stone, and then God gives him the order and the layout and the dimensions of the, the, the tabernacle and how he was to build it. And so he tells them what to put and how thick things were to be and what it was to be overlaid in. He gives them all of the details as it relates to this holy uh, tabernacle that he would construct. And then he goes on and he says this in Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. You just have to go along with me and listen. He says, moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet smelling cinnamon, 
and uh, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane and 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil and ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table, all its utensils, and the lampstand, its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings with all of its utensils, the laver in its base. You shall consecrate them that they might be holy. Whatever you better hear this. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall also anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they might minister to me as priests. I want you to hear something this morning. When God was putting this tabernacle together, the Bible tells us that what he was shown was something heavenly. And that he was to create something on earth that would replicate what was in the heavens. So that's what God showed him when he was up on Mount Sinai. And so he put all of these things together. And then he says, I want you to take this oil. And this anointing oil was to be a prescribed oil. And this oil was put on everything. That was within that, that tabernacle. The labor, the washing, uh, all everything that was concerning it. Every, every piece of instrument that they would touch. They were to put the anointing oil on it. And then he said, when you get done with that, you take that oil and you put it on Aaron and his sons so that they might be priests before the Lord forever. And whatever it touches shall be made holy. Somebody say holy. See, this is important for us to realize because when God told them to take that oil and to put that oil upon those things, what that meant was it was marked for God's assignment. It was marked for God's visitation. In other words, whatever was consecrated with that holy oil, it meant that the Lord was expected to visit that place. That's what it means. That's why in 1 Samuel 16, it says that after Samuel anointed David from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It's important. But this oil wasn't just any kind of oil. It wasn't Crisco off of a shelf. It wasn't lard. It wasn't anything like that. It was a holy anointing oil. This is what he was told to compound. So the base of that, that anointing oil is the olive. And that oil was the same olive that would be used to burn in the candelabra and the candlesticks inside of that tabernacle. They would take that olive and they would take it to a press and they would crush it. Because out of that crushing came oil. You see, I want you, I want you to know something. You can't have wine or oil without crushing. And everybody wants the anointing, but they don't want to go through nothing. They don't want to be crushed. They don't want to be bruised. They don't want to be broken. But I want you to know that you don't get anything from the fruit unless it's first extracted through crushing. And they would crush that oil, and they would take that hint of oil. And he said, okay, that's great, but that's not it. He goes on and tells them very prescriptively. What they're supposed to take. He said, take for yourself 500. Somebody say 500. 500 shekels of liquid myrrh. Okay? Myrrh is very 
bitter. Then he says half as much of sweet-smelling incense, 250 shekels. Then he says you're to take 500 shekels of cassia. And then he says according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and you shall make from these a holy anointing oil. I want you to see this. He says, I want you to take 500 of this, and I want you to take 200 of that. Somebody say 500. Somebody say 250. 500 of this, 250 of that. So there was absolutely half of what the other was. And as I was looking at this, and I was studying, and I was looking at a few things, it's interesting that when you look at the ingredients of the anointing oil, uh, there are twice as many bitter things in the anointing as there are sweet things. Hello, somebody. That's why people who've gone through the most are oftentimes the most anointed. It's through the other side of our breakthrough when God anoints us with that victory to lead people to the other side. Hello, somebody. That's why I've come to tell somebody this morning, you may be on the backside of the wilderness. You may be on the backside of a diagnosis. You might feel like you're never going to get through this. But can I tell you, God is crushing you. He is preparing an anointing for you so that when you get on the other side, you'll be more anointed than you've ever been and you'll be able to have victory in your life like never before. Nobody gets a testimony without first going through a test. God has an anointing. So he gives them the ingredients now for this anointing. But he's still not through. He says once you get the ingredients for this anointing, you have to take it to the perfume maker. The King James says the apothecary. The apothecary was a, was a person who was specialized in mixing oils and, and making perfumes. And so Moses could gather the ingredients for the anointing, but he couldn't mix it himself. You know why that's important? Because no man can anoint himself. Our anointing comes from God. God is the one who anoints us. We'll have to go through it and gather it, but God's the one who mixes it and allows it to be poured upon our life. This is what he meant when he said he anointed David with this horn of oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day. And David said, I've been anointed with fresh oil. Oh, let me tell you something. Everything in that tabernacle was anointed. Now, let me tell you something. You may not know this. Everything in this building has been anointed. The seat you're sitting on, this podium, these microphones, this piano, everything I could reach. Some things I couldn't reach, like that way up there, but everything I could, I put oil on it this week. And I said, Lord, we've done this before, but I want to serve again a sign because it's a sign. Somebody say a sign. Because everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. There, you still see the anointing of oil in the New Testament. James chapter 5 tells us to anoint with oil. Uh, the disciples were anointed with oil. Jesus was anointed for burial. You see anointing, but it's different in the New Testament because in the Old Testament, they anointed everything in the tabernacle and the temple. Right? But here's what I need you to see. When Jesus died on the cross and he stretched out his arms and he died and he said, it is finished. 
The Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, exposing the fact that there was no Ark of the Covenant in the second temple anyway. And at that moment, God made a decree from heaven to earth that man would no longer have to go through this priest to be in my presence. But yet he would do the work of redemption and that he would go back to heaven, put his blood on the mercy seat, sit by the Father's right hand and make intercession for us. And he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. And then the book of Acts gets us to where the church is birthed and begins. And the Bible says they were all in one place in one accord, and there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. You say, Pastor Brad, why is that important? Because, listen, back in those days, the tabernacle was, was anointed and the priests were anointed. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Listen, in the Old Testament, not all men were anointed. Only those whom God had called and consecrated and set apart for a holy office. But that's not what we get in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the Bible says, do you not know that your own body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And do you know when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, put it on the screen, because they're not going to believe me if they don't see it with their own eyes. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Can I tell you something? God has an anointing with your name on it. He has an anointing with your name on it. Now he's not so much about consecrating things. We do it symbolically, but he, he actually anoints us with his spirit. This is powerful because David said, I've been anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. I want to answer some questions this morning, and then I believe the Lord is going to do something supernatural. First question, number one, is this. What is the anointing? What is the anointing? The anointing, it signifies consecration, empowerment, and favor from God. It's signified by the marking and the smearing of oil. The word to anoint, it means to mark or to smear. It would be like putting a cross or an X on something. Now today, when we anoint people with oil, we have a little bottle of oil and we might just put a little drop on their head, but that's not what they did in the Bible days. There was a horn of oil. And so David would have been doused with this fragrant oil. It would have run all down his head, all down his garments. He would have been so immersed that when the wind blows, they would have smelled him for a mile away. Listen, when I get this anointing oil on my hands, I can't hardly wash it off. It's so fragrant. And you can just smell it and smell it and smell it. And let me tell you something. God, his anointing is recognizable on a person's life when they're walking in it. Why? Because it is a marking of God's presence and empowerment on a person's life. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, 
The pouring of oil upon David's head marked a divine selection and an empowerment to be king. You see, Saul lost it. David was now anointed in the place of king. So as believers, what does that mean? It means we've been anointed for specific purposes in God's kingdom. We've been anointed for specific purposes in God's kingdom. So as we're looking at this, we see what the anointing is. It's the, the marking, the consecration, the empowerment of, of God's presence. You know, you know, we look at a preacher or we look at a singer or a minister and we say, man, they're mightily anointed by God. Usually what we mean by that when we say that is that there's power on their life. God's favored them. God's chosen them. He's put his fingerprints upon their hearts. Listen, and certainly that's the truth, but it is the marking and the smearing of oil, God's presence upon a person's life. And each believer has an anointing from God. You know why? Because now we no longer go to a singular priest in a singular temple. The Bible says, don't you know that we're all the kingdom of priests? What that means is, is that you can go into God's presence for yourself. And you cannot go into God's presence and minister the holy things according to the Old Testament pattern unless you've been anointed. See, you came in here thinking you were one way, but you're going to leave out this morning realizing I'm anointed. I'm anointed. God's anointed me. He's given me an anointing on the inside of my life. This anointing is powerful. This anointing is strong. But we got to ask ourselves this morning this question. Here's number two. If that anointing is strong, if that anointing is tangible, if that anointing is God's presence in my life, then the question must be asked, number two, why do we need a fresh anointing? Why do we need a fresh anointing? Well, in the Old Testament, David said, you've anointed me with fresh oil. In the Old Covenant, David recognized the need to receive a fresh touch. He had gone through weariness, betrayal, heartaches, hard times, things of that nature, dwelling in the cave of Adullam, being chased, being betrayed. Saul's trying to kill him. Uh, Jonathan is, you know, doing what Jonathan does. There's all types of things going on in David's life. And he realizes, I need fresh oil. Here's what David prayer sounded like. You want to know what David's prayer sounded like? You have it recorded in the book of Psalms. As the deer pants for the water, oh my soul longs after you. As the deer pants for the water, oh my soul longs after you. David had a desire for God's presence in his life. David had a desire for God's closeness in his life. But if we're honest, life sometimes has a way of beating you down. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever been on top of the mountain one day 
but finds yourself in the valley the next day. This side had never gone through nothing. Let me ask y'all over here. There's more gray heads over here than there are over there. Anybody ever been on the, the mountaintop one day, but you find yourself in the valley the next day? See, sometimes we just need a fresh anointing. We would call it a refreshing. We would call it a refilling. Now listen, this is the old covenant. This is the old pointing to the new. So I wouldn't teach anything based on the old covenant if I couldn't first find it in the new covenant. And so I want you to get this from a new covenant perspective. Why do we need a fresh anointing? I quoted it just a moment ago. In Acts chapter 2, here's what you need to understand. There's a new church that's been birthed. The power of the Holy Ghost has fallen upon these believers in the upper room in Jerusalem. These 120 people are there seeking God. They're in fasting. They're in prayer. They, they are seeking heaven's agenda when all of a sudden an anointing from heaven fills that room. Tongues of fire sat upon each of them. And the Bible says they were all filled. They were all anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And how was it signified? Because it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. That's what the Bible says. That's in Acts chapter 2. Oh, but let, let me tell you something. After Acts chapter 2, we go forward to Acts chapter 3. And these people are enduring all types of things. There's persecutions. They're, they're full of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, man, Peter is out there, and he, um, he preaches, and 3,000 men plus women and children get saved. How I many of you know that's a mountaintop experience right there? Praise God, you know. Man, preached this big crusade and all these Jews and Gentiles alike got saved and baptized. You know, that'd be a, a pretty big place to baptize 3,000 people plus in one day. Pretty exciting. Imagine, have you ever had something exciting happen in your day that you were so excited about it you couldn't fall asleep that night? You were just thinking about it. Could have been a first kiss. Could have been when you got married. It could have been, you know, when God promoted you or maybe a child was born. You're so excited and you just couldn't sleep at night. I imagine the excitement that they were probably going through because of all of these great things that were happening. Then you go into Acts chapter 3, right? And the Bible says that they're just skipped it to do along, going to prayer. Man, it's, it's a great day. They're filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, power of God's moving in their life. They're there, and these, these believers have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and they have been anointed by God, and people are getting saved, and they're getting baptized. And then we see an amazing miracle. They come to the temple at the hour of prayer, and there's a man with a cup full of chains who's crippled. He's clanking his chains and he's begging for welfare. He's saying, please, please, can you give me something to eat? A few shekels for my journey. Could you please help me? He'd probably been there forever, the Bible says, from a long, long time. And it just so happens that these believers who were empowered, they were charged, they were anointed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? They were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. They lock eyes on him. And they said, silver and gold have we none. But such as we do have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and start walking. 
And the Bible says that man got up and immediately, not two weeks later, not three weeks later, not five months later, immediately ankle bones received strength. His knees began to pop back in place. And the Bible says he began to dance and to shout and to give God glory and to give him praise. And wouldn't you think that all of the people in Jerusalem would be happy? Don't you think that the whole church would have broke out in revival? Because look what the Lord has done. But I want you to know something. That's not what happened. It irritated all of the religious people in Jerusalem. You know why? Because it exposed what they claimed to have but really didn't. You had these people talking about a God they really didn't know. I'm talking about the Pharisees. And Jesus was right in front of their face, and they didn't even recognize the fact that he was the Son of God. They had the law, but they had no power. And here these disciples come and literally reach out with the name of Jesus and and. Strength and healing happens, a creative miracle, and everybody's not happy about it. So now they find themselves persecuted. They find themselves misaligned. They find themselves going through hard times. But they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's another way you can say it. They were anointed. They were anointed. Now, Here's something interesting that the Bible records about a fresh anointing. In verse number 1 of Acts 4, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and they put them into custody for the next day, for it was already evening. So now they're in jail. They're They're incarcerated. I asked you the question, have you ever been on the mountaintop one day and found yourself in the valley the next day? I have, some of you have, they have. So what's the answer? These same disciples, not different ones, not a different group, not a different set, In Acts chapter 4, verse number 23, look at this. It says, and being let go, they went to their own companions, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, and they began to pray, and they said, Lord, you are God who have made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is within them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed ones. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with 
boldness. Now hold up a second. These are the same people who were just baptized in the Holy Spirit two chapters ago. And what we find now is that life has shaken them through hard times, trials, and persecutions, just like happened to David, just like happened to the other prophets of old. But I'm glad that when hard times come and trials come and things happen in our life, if we'll just reach out to God, he'll give us a fresh anointing. Listen, there's fresh oil for you today. There's fresh fire for you today. All you have to do is just ask him for it. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 5, verse 18. He says, be not drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the English does its best, but, but be filled in the Greek, if you look it up in Strong's, it actually is a continuous sense. You could read it like this in, in a very literal way, but be being filled Stay continually filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hello, somebody. You know, many of you know that I bit the bullet and stressed myself. And in a very quick time, I finished my degree. 18 years too late, but better late than never. In my office hangs a certificate. And that certificate is a sign of my accomplishments. But how many of you know just because I have a certificate on my wall is not permission for me to stop learning? Hello, somebody. That's absolutely stupid. Because anybody who's going to keep growing has to keep learning. Right? Well, if it's crazy to think that, then how come so many people got baptized with the Holy Spirit a long time ago and they got the certificate on their wall, but they ain't had no fresh experience? You don't have no fresh experience. In fact, some of you, it has been so long that you've really been hit by the fire of God that you've forgotten what it even feels like. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll get ready to get a touch from God, he's got everything that you have that he has that you need this morning. Come on, he can make your hands to clap again. He can make your feet to dance again. He can make your vocal cords to sing again. He's got fresh oil for your life. You've got to want it. Why do we need a fresh anointing? Because we can have spiritual stagnation. Like David, that initial touch was powerful. But over time, hardships, trials, complacencies, things can set in. Life can knock us down. Despite things in our life, distractions can come. So we've got to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to give us a fresh touch. How many of you need a fresh touch? We need a fresh touch. So number three, I ask you this question. How can we receive a fresh anointing? How can we receive a fresh anointing? Here's what I'll tell you this morning. We've got to seek the Lord daily.
intentional prayer, intentional meditation upon his word, and cultivating a deep relationship with him are crucial. Folks, let me tell you something. I'm going I'm to tell you something right now that I mean in the kindest of ways, but I mean it in all sincerity and all truth. You ready for this? You say, Pastor Brad, I just don't feel like I'm on fire for God. I just feel like God's so far away. I just feel like this or that or the other. I'm going to give you a reality. Scripture teaches this. You have as much God as you want to have. You have as much God as you want to have. You have as much God as you want to have. Well, I just don't have time to pray like you do, Pastor. Well, let me see your screen time on your phone. I just don't have time to read the Bible like you do, Pastor. How much time are you spending on Instagram? How much time are you spending doing other things? Listen, I'm not being hard. I'm telling you, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are they who are hungry and they are thirsty, for they, are, they will be filled. How many of you have ever raised a child before? Whether it was yours or somebody else's or you babysit. You know, listen, when I was little, I didn't want no broccoli. I especially didn't want the baby food kind. Come on, has anybody ate that stuff before? I'm sure you have. Just a bottle of green stuff. You put it in a blender and puree it up and choo-choo, here we go, come on. And the baby's like, you know, doing all this type of stuff. I don't want that. I want chicken nuggets. <laughs> French fries. But guess what, though? Guess what? I used to didn't like it. But isn't it kind of weird now that when I go to the store, that's what I buy? Because what you, what you like, which might be chicken nuggets and french fries and pizza, may not be what you need. And there's nothing wrong with that every now and then. But listen, if you feed on that all the time, you, you listen, here, here's a spiritual principle, right? I'm going to give you something so simplistic to carry you into 2024. It's a spiritual principle. Whatever you feed yourself consistently, this goes for spiritual or unspiritual. Whatever you feed yourself consistently is what you develop an appetite for. Now, I want you all to look at Pastor real quick. Let me tell you something. I talked to somebody who was an alcoholic one time, who got free from alcohol. Here's what they told me. I said, how did you end up an alcoholic? They said, well, I, I really don't know. I just peer pressure and things. And, and here's something that they said. They said, when I first tried it, I really, to be honest with you, I didn't like the taste. It was abhorrent to me. It was bitter. It was nasty. But they said, you know, after a while, I kind of developed a taste for it. And once you develop a taste for something, you begin to crave it. Insert whatever sin you're thinking about right now into that equation. Whatever you keep doing, you're going to keep wanting to do more. The Bible says, as death and hell are never full, the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Got to have more, got to have more, got to have more, got to have more. So listen, 
Romans talks about the war between the spirit and the flesh. Paul says those things that I want to do, like pray, those things that I want to do, like fast, those things that I want to do, like get in my word. He's like, I, I want to do them, but, but, I, but I don't. There's a war within my soul. Let me tell you something, folks. To every one of us in this room, there's a war for our soul. And I'm telling you right now, if you feed yourself all that trashy music, that's what you're going to want to feast upon. But if you'll let spiritual music feed your soul, you'll start finding that stuff don't appeal to your flesh anymore. Because whichever one you feed is the one that gets stronger. The trouble with missing church is the more you miss church, the more you don't miss it. The trouble with not getting in your word daily, you lose an appetite for it. Oh my goodness. But let me tell you something, my friend. There's something about getting this word and seeing something that just jumps out to you. You say, wow. I got to look at this. And you start looking and you're trying to find. You got such a hunger for the questions that you have to be answered. And so you're looking and you look up and you spent some time in that word. You get hungry talking to God in prayer. And you lose track of time. Isn't it amazing? People can tell you how many minutes they spent in prayer, but they lose track of how much time they do everything else. I tell you, God wants it to be different today. How do you get a fresh anointing? You got to be hungry for it. You got to be hungry for it. If you're saved in this room, the Holy Spirit already lives on the inside of you. If you've never been baptized, He wants to, in the Spirit, He wants to empower you. But even if you have been, He wants to give you a fresh touch today. There's a fresh touch. God, I just, I want more of you. I don't want the stale crumbs of yesterday's bread. I want manna from heaven. I want a brand new fire upon the altar today that never goes out. I want you to do a work in me like never before. How do we get a fresh anointing? We got to seek the Lord for it. We need to repent. God, if there's anything in my life that's keeping me away from you, Lord, I repent of that. See, the Bible says times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And then lastly, we've got to have a desire. Just as David yearned for fresh oil, just as the disciples in Acts 4 earned for a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit in the middle of their difficulty, friends, you and I have to have a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in our life. I want all of us in this room today to stand up on our feet right